Good morning, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Happy day. I'm actually on time. Okay. God is getting me back on my schedule. It's been interesting. I just kind of wanted to chillax. Um, I was very drained. This last month drained me. I've had a lot of things in my life that drained me um, and I'm a giver and it depleted me to where I just crashed completely took a, a soul and physical flesh crash I haven't done anything I really didn't do anything for a while but enjoy my children and enjoy God so I'm getting back being revived right now I feel like God is reviving my soul my heart and my soul because I just got drained down to nothing um, so it feels good to be back on schedule guys a recap of yesterday we started in Matthew the birth of Jesus his parents <clears throat> fleeing from the king that wanted him dead. Which king was that? Herod. King Herod feared this child um, because he knew in his heart that something great was going to come from Jesus. So he wanted him dead. Um, the people that he commanded to go, you know, find him and let him know where he was at, uh, God said, don't tell the king and they obeyed and Joseph and Mary were able to flee to Egypt until they were called from Egypt to go to Nazareth um, and that's where they took Jesus that's where we ended up on chapter 3 um, it was a beautiful beginning and I'm reading directly from the Bible you guys directly there's no inserts there's no theology there's no talk of what I've researched other people thinking is going on. I'm reading directly from the Bible. It's going to be the difference. I'm not going to elude when I'm reading directly. I may talk about what it feels like because I understand the walk that Jesus did with God. Jesus had to walk a certain way to prove that he could live his purpose and be strong enough to do it. Jesus had to live a certain way to cleanse himself, to allow the kingdom of God to reside within him so that God could work through him to do what needed to be done. What a beautiful thing. Let's see what happened yesterday. Not a lot. I've just been reflecting on the last year of my life. A lot has happened. It was a lot more than I thought it was. When you think about just living your life day to day to day, you don't think about it much. You really don't. But then when you look back in the increment that it was and you really reflect on what God was really doing with me, it's 
actually quite amazing. So that's what I've been doing. As well as just resting. God's just been resting me and loving me and reviving me. I mean, it's beautiful. Self-love. So we're just going to get into it. Chapter 3. Now, it did end with, in chapter 2, that they ended up Nazarene, or Nazareth. And there was a prophet that said that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. And see what happened? He ended up in the town Nazareth, where he would be called a Nazarene. So all these prophets throughout time that spoke these words, all these things were coming true. Chapter 3. In those days, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judah and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and the region around the Jordan went out to him, and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Broad of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to rise up children to Abraham from these stones. Now even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree, Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. For whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he is thoroughly clean out his threshing floor, and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the shaft, which is unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. That sentence... Permit it to be so now, for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Those words are in red. God was speaking through Jesus that it needed to be this way. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from the heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And now we're in chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards he was hungry now when the tempter came to him and said if you are the son of god command these stones to become bread but he answered it said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god and the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands you shall they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, you shall not be you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered him. Now Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, and he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which was by the sea. It is regions of Zebulon and Nephtali. And it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Nephtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of Gentiles, and the people who sat in the darkness have seen great light. And upon those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, the light was dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm going to come back to that, you guys. <laughs> and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon and Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James and the son of Zebdee, and John his brother, in the boat of Zebdee, their father, mending their nets. He called to them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Then Jesus went all about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness and kinds of diseases among the people. Then his fame went through all of Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, and epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. That is the end of chapter five. There's a lot here, you guys. We're going to start with John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he knew. He knew something was coming and he did what he was supposed to do. He was baptizing people, but he was screaming, you know, this man, Jesus, is coming. 
I am preparing the way and he's going to be greater than I. When the Pharisees, the Sadducees came to watch him, he looked at them. He goes, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. Meaning, don't come to me and ask for forgiveness just to get for forgiveness. Bear fruits worthy of forgiveness. I mean, show those deep, dark, vulnerable things. Such as, I had to bear fruit worthy of forgiveness for God. I had to see who I became in my addiction. I'm going to give you an example. I had to see where I was a terrible person. I'd apologize to God for the way I treated my children. And then I had to turn around and make the same holy repentance apology to my children. That was bearing fruit worthy of repentance. It only works that way. And I know because I felt God's forgiveness. And I was able to turn around and take accountability to my children. And in taking accountability, I took away from them the burden of bearing the weight of my choices. They suddenly realized that they, they felt correct about the way they felt. Their mom was wrong the way she treated us. And they saw the change within me. And that's where we're able to have a healthy relationship now. It's bearing fruit worthy of repentance. See, John could see that the Pharisees were twisting God's words for their selfish gain. To get what they wanted. To live in sin in the heart. They used God's word to justify living in sin. Expecting everybody else around them to be holy. Does that sound familiar? We don't use God's word to justify our sin. If you know the law, God's law in his kingdom, which is greater than the law here in our world, and you go against it knowingly, you're living in sin. Don't use his word to justify it. God does not want us to crave his, sin, crave his forgiveness wants us to bear fruit worthy of repentance when he said do not think to say to yourselves we have Abraham as our father what, he, what John the Baptist was saying to the Pharisees uh, do not use our forefather to protect you from the sin and guilt Oh, we have Abraham, so we're good. It's just like saying, well, Jesus gave his life for me, so I'm good. I'm good. I don't have to do nothing. I'm good. That's what it means. You don't have anything. You can't use excuses to justify living in sin. You can't.
Now, when Jesus wanted to be baptized by John, and John didn't want to do it, I understand. I understand both sides. First of all, Jesus needed to be baptized. And Jesus wasn't actually going to be baptized by John. God was going to work through John and baptize Jesus himself. That's why those words were written in red. Permitted to be so now, for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Those words were written in red because God was working through Jesus to tell John, we have to do this. Because God himself wanted to baptize Jesus in that moment. It was time. He wanted to cleanse him, to prepare him. He wanted to cleanse him because he knew what was coming. There's something about being cleansed by God himself. You're being reborn again. You feel it. It feels like you're coming out of the womb and you're being born afresh into a new world. You're vulnerable. I don't know how it felt for Jesus, but I felt vulnerable and I felt a little bit scared. I felt different. It felt like I just got reborn. And I was just, I was fresh. I was new. My soul was new. I was clean. I was vulnerable because I didn't want anybody to taint it. But you have to do that. You have to go through that process for your soul to be cleansed anew. To live your purpose, what was coming next with God. And it needed to happen through John because at that moment, John was the only one who really knew who Jesus was. He got it. So Jesus got baptized. What a beautiful moment. Jesus was able to have that. It is a very beautiful moment to live that moment. And then we did this on Monday. This was the tempting of Jesus. This was God making sure that Jesus had the correct part, posture, meaning even at his weakest, Jesus had let go. And even at his weakest, Jesus was able to let go of all of that and allow the kingdom of God within him and God to work through him. Because some of these responses to the tempting was God. There are things that we have limited understanding of. There are things that it came out of my mouth that didn't come from me. They came from God. It's bothered some people because they didn't understand it. That's, it's, it's in the word. It's in the word. That's what it means. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God was coming through somebody to teach people, to show them. It was something was coming. 
when the kingdom of God resides in somebody, God is using them for something. Just as he did with Jesus. He made Jesus weak and vulnerable, starving, starving for anything. But at that point in time, Jesus had walked with God for so long. All he wanted was the word of God and to fulfill God's what it was that God had for him because nothing else would satisfy. When it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I know that feeling. Food, yeah, there are times, ooh, yes, it'll satisfy the flesh, but it won't satisfy the soul. There's a difference. And when you start living from your spirit and you start living from the soul, those flesh things don't satisfy whatsoever. You could go hungry for a long time. I understand the fasting. God will satisfy you where you don't feel those things if you allow it. That's why we should fast. That's why we should practice and get into fasting. Because it's in those days of fasting that in those hungry moments, instead of turning to food, you take those hungry pains and you go, I'm going to turn to God. And I'm going to pray to God. That's what a fasting is about. You start fasting from the need to have something. Particularly mine was sugar. And it got down to one point where all I was eating was honey. But I was consuming a lot of honey. I needed that sweet. I'd had it for so long in my life. I didn't know how to let it go. And even though honey is natural, I had to let the sweet go. And that week was really tough for me. I was on a very limited diet as it was, and then it was absolutely no sugar whatsoever. It was the best thing that ever happened to me because every time I went to crave something sweet, I turned to God. I prayed to God, and I spent time in the Word. I spent time doing things with God. And I turned from craving sweets to craving God. I started needing the word. I started needing God. That's what you do in a fasting. It changes your mindset on what you truly, truly need in this world. If you're seeking God. If you're seeking to journey this way with God. And I was. I desired it. I hungered for it. I wanted that more than I wanted flesh desires. And that's the way I am now. I don't... I have loud neighbors. There are fleshly things in this world I don't really desire. I just don't. I'd rather desire being in God's presence and doing what he ordains me to do. That's what pleases me. That's what satisfies my soul. Now, he's asked me to do things that, you know, would be for flesh desire, 
for a greater purpose, so to speak. But they didn't feed my soul because I was only doing it as an assignment to God. That was my assignment. I did it. My reward was doing what God was asking me to do. That was my reward. So what a beautiful thing. And then Jesus started rounding up the 12 disciples. We're breaking down the process. These were just men and they just followed him. I understand this feeling as well. When those who are supposed to be with you will follow you. They knew they should follow Jesus because they felt that pull. Their soul was pulling them to Jesus. They just knew it. So they followed. There was something within him. Of course it was God feeding their soul. That was something that they had never experienced before. So they followed it. It was going to happen like that. But I felt that way around people. There have been people who have been placed in my life that I had that instant pull to. There was a man I met right after I got out of jail. His name is Norm. He runs a ministry here in town called The Refuge. Uh, he reminds me of John the Baptist, to be honest. <laughs> And the first day I met him, I knew, I looked at him. I was just in his, because he has a, he has a, you would almost say secondhand store. And I looked at him. I had no idea his biblical background. I just knew he was talking to me. I was drawn to him. And I knew God was pulling him, me to him. And I looked him in the eyes and he was just looking at me and I just felt it. I felt the connection and I knew right then that we were connected and I had to come back. So I kept coming back, kept coming back and I was watching him in his ministry. I was watching as he allowed the Holy Spirit to work through him to heal people within his ministry. It was an amazing thing. I mean, I saw it before my very eyes. I saw the Holy Spirit touch up on people's soul in front of my very eyes. And he became my mentor. I spent many, many hours at his table learning and listening. Here's the thing about wanting to understand your purpose or to learn something. Say, I needed to learn how to become a follower. God taught me by me following other people. I became Norm's helper. I helped Norm. I helped him within his store. I helped him within his ministry. I became his helper. God had me helping him. And I learned how to be a helper by closing my mouth, opening my ears, and learning. Because Norm was helping God. So I was watching Norm following God obediently 
there's Norm. He's following God, what God is commanding him to do in his ministry. Just, it was never planned. The day was never planned. But I was watching Norm just follow the Holy Spirit, follow God. And I myself was following Norm. And Norm would communicate to me what was going on so I knew how to follow him. That's how I learned how to become a good follower. And it helped me serve up to follow God without needing that buffer in between. But it also taught me what to expect out of a good leader. See, Norm was a good leader. He led me the right way in that moment. See, that was just for a moment. My purpose took me beyond that. That was just a training moment. And now I'm God's helpmate. I follow him. And I don't need a person in between to buffer that. I know how to follow God. I know where he commands me. The connection is like clear. I've done what it takes to be clearly connected to God, to hear him. It's a little education on how to learn these things that we may not know. That's how I learned them. It wasn't just I wasn't instilled with it. I had to learn. Somebody will know who I'm, what I'm talking about. So, Jesus is beginning to round together the 12 disciples. What a beautiful thing. We might be flying through this, Matthew, faster than I thought. So guys, a recap. John baptized Jesus, but God actually baptized Jesus through John. You see it, because there's words in red. But the feeling, you guys, it truly feels like you're being reborn when God himself baptizes you, when you are called for a purpose such as Jesus was, and God himself had to cleanse you. It's different. It's like coming out of the womb. You feel it. It's fresh. You're clean. It's beautiful. And then the tempting. We all go through this, you guys. We have a choice. We all have a choice. Good morning. And when Jesus was being tempted, he had a choice. He could have given in. We all have a choice, and God will forgive us regardless. But when you rise above the temptations, it will take you further up with your relationship with God. So... That is the end of today, and tomorrow we will begin in chapter 3, 4, 5, and we'll see where it takes us there. So I love you guys. Um, you know, think about your life now. Think about the temptations you're allowing. You know you're allowing. Deep in your heart, be vulnerable with yourself and don't lie. 
mean why do you go for it why because all of those end up being weight that you carry our sins are weight that we have to carry in this world and it weighs us down and it bogs us down and that's what creates the grinding and the pain and the um all the inside suffering all these worries all this stuff in the world that we're trying to find peace from we do it to ourselves we cause it ourselves with our own choices um i know i've been that person i've done it but now being on the other side i don't want to go back to that i'm glad i decided to be in this part with god than wait until i die to ask for forgiveness who wants to wait until they die what a waste of a life you're wasting your life You'll never get anywhere that way. God will never bless you in your life or give you those things that you're dreaming of if you wait until you die to ask for forgiveness. He won't. It's just not how God works. So I love you guys. I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful Wednesday. I know we have snow on the ground. It looks cold. Oh, well. And God bless.